and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Hi moms, thanks for joining. I have an amazing guest for us today. First, the mission of Two Mom is to Love is to support, encourage, and empower each other as imperfect moms to love as a verb. Join us and subscribe, share, and follow. Welcome to our community. My amazing guest today is Army Grace Peterson. Army Grace is a licensed and registered occupational therapist who focuses on maternal health and infant development. Her practice, Motivated OT Mama, is located in the southwestern suburbs of Chicago and offers one-on-one in-home and telehealth services, as well as webinars and group classes. Army Grace is a mom of three boys and passionate about providing education and support to mothers in order to empower and promote success in daily routines. Army Grace helps moms navigate pregnancy, postpartum, and all the little moments of motherhood with guidance, reassurance, and a whole lot of understanding. She also states, motherhood is hard, but getting support shouldn't be. Army Grace, welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. Hi, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. So I'm Army Grace. I'm a mom of three very androgenic boys. I've been an occupational therapist for seven years, primarily focusing on pediatrics, but recently started my own business um, called Motivated OT Mama to focus on maternal health and infant development. I'm a postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression survivor. And I had PPA with my first, which I didn't know much until later. And I had PPD with my second, and I got the help I needed then. I was also the first of my siblings and friend group to have a baby. So motherhood was quite lonely and isolating to me, if I'm being honest. Um, But it's been the best journey, and it's truly been my personal experience that has motivated me to provide moms the support I wish I had in the early days of my motherhood journey. Because sometimes I think it can be just feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I know. And I like to remind myself that the season of life that I'm in, you know, with three young kids, especially boys, there's a lot of energy in our house um, that most days I might just be surviving, but there will be days that I will be thriving too. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. Surviving and thriving. I like to say like beautiful chaos. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it for sure. How old are your boys? So my oldest is five and in kindergarten. My middle is three and in preschool. And then my youngest is actually going to be two this month. Army Grace, I say sometimes that I feel like my identity was removed once I became a mom where um, I was no longer called Valerie. I was called mom. And I love the name mom, but there's more to me than just that. I think as someone who was dying and could not wait to be a mom, I feel like I went head first into motherhood and wanting to do all the things and all the things being what I saw on social media, what I saw in movies, what I had hoped a mom could be. 
And mm. you know, hitting the ground running is is a great trait, but sometimes it gets very exhausting and wearing down and you realize the efforts that you're putting into motherhood, but not taking care of yourself can end up being detrimental to your identity. And as I've learned over the years, especially with my children so close together, is that my identity as me, as Army Grace, has to have some role so that I could be fully present as a mother, as a partner, and you know, show them the best version of me so that they can be the best versions of themselves as well. Yes. It takes practice in reminding myself that my cup is empty sometimes. And, I, and being honest with yourself when your cup is empty. And I think in motherhood, the idea of saying no isn't even an option sometimes. And as of late, I'm trying to understand that no is a complete sentence. And that is enough mm-hmm. to know, like, and taking care of myself, a form of self-care even, is saying no to something that you know is going to further empty your cup, further exhaust you, that's going to stop you from being the most present mom or partner or wife that you could be. And I love how you bring up that we have all of these assumptions of how we're going to be as a mother before we were a mom. And I talk about how I truly believed I was going to be getting an A plus in motherhood in this imaginary course of motherhood. But time and time again, I was shown that I did not have control. And the mother that I thought I was going to be is just different than the mother I actually am. And that's okay. Like I am an imperfect mother, but an imperfect mother who loves. Definitely. And I think there's beauty in embracing those imperfections and even just letting our children know that maybe mommy didn't give her 100% today, but mommy did the best that she could do today. And I think we teach like our kids, I think my son the other day was, mommy, I'm not the best at coloring. And I'm like, honey, you don't need to be the best. You just didn't need to be your best. And that's enough for us. And, and hearing myself say that to my own child, making me take that reflection of it's okay if I'm being the best version of me. Am I the best? No, but am I being the best version of me? And if I am, then that's all I can do. Yeah, it really is. And I think we're just entirely too hard on ourselves. Somebody I had a networking call, what did they say to me? Sometimes the nurturers need nurturing. I find myself, because I'm in this field of helping moms and helping them with their child, is that I am giving them the help that I wish I had, or just I'm helping like old young me sometimes in these moments, in addition to the mom that I'm working with. And it's healing in a sense. Like your inner child in a sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. All the inner child healing in motherhood. Yes. Definitely. Army Grace, uh, can you talk with us about occupational therapy and how it can benefit prenatal? It sounds like prenatal, postpartum, and beyond. Is that right? Yes. So occupational therapy, what is the root of that word? It's occupation, right? And no, I don't help people find their job per se, but I do help people, in this case moms, feel successful and functional in all their roles. Um, Occupational therapists have such unique training to provide individualized treatment to our clients to focus on the meaningful roles um, each person has. For moms, we're juggling the role of nurturer, caregiver, wife, 
friend, daughter, the identity of ourselves, it's a lot to manage. Um, and OTs have an approach of using something called an occupational profile. And it's basically a questionnaire getting to know um, their clients' concerns, strengths, barriers to their success, learning about what their personal interests are, as well as their surrounding environment, their habits, routines, as well as physical and emotional factors. And from here, once we have, you know, all those details from the occupational profile, then we're able to do something called an activity analysis and break down the big issues into smaller components to address. Um, and that can be more feasible and more easy to navigate. And it can always differ um, from person to person. And I'm not sure, Valerie, if you've heard of the proverb, if you give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. That proverb relates so well to occupational therapy in our roles um, because my job is to truly equip my moms with tools so that they don't need me anymore and can be successful in all the roles that they want and need to be. Mm, I love that. And I had no idea that there was this branch of occupational therapy. I mean, I think that's incredible and makes so much sense because, you know, this is um, like it, it's a new role and to give moms and offer moms this like kind of individualized assessment and intervention is amazing. I myself as an OT didn't know that that we could be in this maternal health space and it's so much needed even to the simplest things of moms feeling overwhelmed in terms of like sensory overload like sensory overload and dysregulation happens in our kids right and moms take the time to educate themselves on how to navigate these things with their children moms can definitely do the same thing for themselves and get the support they need too. But I think mm. of it right now is knowing that this support is out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, how would occupational therapy differ from like, let's say perinatal counseling? Like what type, how is it different and how is it similar? So we both can just uh, focus on like mental health issues and concerns. I think um, after networking with some perinatal mental health um, therapists, we kind of figured out that they can kind of work more on like the mindset shift, working on like the cognitive behavioral theory, reframing some of those things. Whereas OT would kind of take that knowledge and put it into practice. So what's great about occupational therapy and the services I'm providing, I actually can able to come into a mom's home and put into action um, like a plan to help her with her day-to-day -day routine. So for example, if a mom is feeling overwhelmed and stressed and anxious about her return to work. You know, there's work that she can do with her therapist. But for me, I would come in and we would discuss, okay, well, these are your rights. Maybe let's set out like a tangible plan that you have for, for pumping when you go back to work. And maybe we have a log where you record all um, like how much milk you produce. And then what is the good communication method we have with your sitters or your caregivers? Are they paste bottle feeding your baby? Um, you know, making sure that it's consistent there, but then also managing the role of, okay, well, we also have to take care of all the bottles and the pump parts. Can we develop a schedule? Can we divide the, um, the roles and then an expectation so that that doesn't all fall on mom? Hmm. That's awesome. You're like the mom advocate. Yes. Occupational therapy and maternal health is still an emerging field. I don't think everybody, even medical providers, are familiar with it in a maternal health sense. I think occupational therapy and physical therapy in terms of like perinatal mental health are starting to have 
um, a recognized piece in pelvic floor therapy, which I think is great. I advocate for that as well. That's not something I currently am focusing on. I refer to other providers for that. Um, I'm more focusing on that day-to-day routine. And it's tricky because, you know, moms can say, I feel overwhelmed. I'm having a hard time with motherhood. And oftentimes the reply is, well, you chose to be a mom, right? But that shouldn't be the response. I think there should be opportunities like, hey, I do know an occupational therapist that could come into your home, give you personalized treatment, and can help you feel successful in these roles. And it's not a long-term treatment. It can be as little as three to six visits that might work comes in um, because I'm really here to help teach you the strategies and identify these problem areas that necessarily isn't mom's fault. It's breaking in, well, what is the physical aspects, the emotional and the social aspects of motherhood that could be barriers to you succeeding? And we can kind of address those issues um, to make mom feel successful. Tell us what you offer at Motivated OT Mama. So I offer one-on-one mobile or in-home services. Um, Hopefully when the weather gets out, I could also do in a community settings. I could do like a walk um, and problem solve with mom or, you know, I'm sure, you know, even navigating that space of coming out of your home for the first time as a new mom with your baby, like breaking down that steps. Those are, those are big things, but that's also occupational therapy um, can work with, but I'm located, I can do my mobile services within the Southwest Chicago suburbs. And then I can, I provide telehealth services in Illinois. Um, As you know, my primary audience is pregnant, pregnancy and postpartum, but more motherhood in terms of having, um, you know, a second baby on the way and just navigating that space and sensory overload. I do also provide um, infant occupational therapy services. So zero to three, I have my early intervention certificate, Um, but I'm also looking at the mom and baby dyad, because at this point, a baby doesn't necessarily have their own occupations. They're really reliant on parents or family members. So babies have a co-occupation in the sense, you know, such as bathing and feeding. So moms and dads play a role in that for babies. And so my piece is educating moms and dads to feel successful in that. I can also provide breastfeeding and bottle feeding support, as well as help to transitioning to solids, which I think is such a big milestone. And there's so many things out there that, again, parents don't know that there's an occupational therapist that can come to your home, come assess the environment, educate you on the tools that you need to intro to solid. What are the safe things? Educating between baby-led weaning, purees, doing a happy mix of them, knowing like the developmental milestones of picking, grabbing, being able to like clear food off of their mouth. Like those are all things that parents don't always know. I'm thinking of in particular, my first year of motherhood, how I had all of those questions. I had a background in pediatrics and it still was overwhelming because it's different when it's your baby, right? Yeah, it's different when you are you have your mom hat on and your medical background or kind of what you know kind of goes out the window because motherly intuition takes over. Um, and I think too with the motherhood piece, you know, reflecting a lot on my journey is the piece of community, right? I think sometimes you don't necessarily need a solution as moms. I think it's the idea of having somebody to commiserate with or to validate your experience in this. It's so important too. And as a mom and as a professional, I understand that. So I'm hoping to get some mom and baby groups in person locally as well. And even just having community events to, you know, let the community know that I'm there. There are services that I offer and I can help them. We just, we need more of that. Like motherhood, is not 
in a bubble or it, it shouldn't be, you know, where, mm-hmm. but I feel like so many times myself included that it, that happens so much, especially in our society right now, where just the way it's set up. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of pressure from, I think, social media into just like this shift of generational mindset mm. um, and kind of understanding like, yes, our parents or older generations might have done something one way, but now we're choosing to do things a different way. And that's okay, right? And I think breaking it down to what are the physical, emotional, and social things of motherhood are so important to break down. Um, I think moms have been conditioned to feel shamed that they can't do it all. Um, But at the end of the day, that mindset is unhealthy and detrimental, I think, to our role in motherhood. I think as moms, we need to be able to take a step back and reflect on what is exactly stopping us from showing up in motherhood. And that's something I ask my clients as well. And from there, we need to break it down, like you said, the physical, emotional, and social aspects of motherhood. Um, Do you have severe back pain from carrying the baby or are you still trying to be at peace with your postpartum body? Then in terms of emotions, have you not slept? Because we all know that um, hormones play a big role in our emotions. Are we having signs of PPA, PPD? Are we emotionally healing from childhood while navigating motherhood? And from a social aspect, gosh, do do we even have a support system? When was the last time we left the house? Saw friends or... Do we have a village? Do we feel supported by our partner? Truly, it's breaking down these concepts and even taking a moment for moms to reflect on these things because I think moms a lot of times think it's them and it's not necessarily them. It's the foundational things we've been trying to build that's really impacting them um, to be the best mom. That, we, that they can be in. As an occupational therapist, I come in, I find where the disconnect is and where can I support them. Um, and, you know, a recent motto of my own motherhood journey has been that the only mom you have to be better than is the mom you were yesterday. And some days, I feel like some days are easier than others. Some hours are easier than others. And it's just giving yourself that grace. And I, I love all of that, Army Grace, because like you really are promoting the development of us moms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think too, um, I recently, I might butcher this word, but we have adolescents, right? Becoming a teenager. Well, there's also the word matrescence you know, becoming a mom and motherhood. And I don't think people understand that this is a developmental milestone, meaning that you grow into it, right? You're not expected to learn all these things and giving yourself grace to grow and know and fail and learn. I think it's much harder to do this because there's often little people present and watching you, you know, and, and that, as a whole complexity to this developmental milestone in life for mom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a perfect mom because life is not perfect. And we have to kind of work through setbacks and, you know, life isn't just this linear, um, you know, uphill linear thing. It's like has its ups, it has its downs. And how do we navigate through all of that together? Mm-hmm. And it's great that you're modeling that for your kids and and showing them that it is okay, that that it's all a process and we're all learning. Um, I know recently 
we're all going to yell in motherhood, right? There's not, there's no doubt about that. We're all going to yell. And oftentimes that's a result of dysregulation. It's not a reflection of your children being yeah. bad. It's not a reflection of you being bad as a mom. It, there's other things rooted in it. But I think providing the conversation of in our house for our children to understand, you know, I often say, you know what, mommy was really grumpy today, but you know, am I grumpy because of you? And we've taught our kids to realize that our actions to them are not reflections of their quality as a, as a child, you know, um, that mommy and daddy can be grumpy, but it's not their fault. And even though mommy and daddy are grumpy, like we still love them. And again, it's mm. having this language for your children and then being like, wait, do I have that same language for myself? Like, am I allowing myself that same grace? Um, in my own situations outside of that, it's hard. It's it's tricky. And it's just a continuous like growth mindset and giving ourselves grace and understanding that it's not a linear process and we're growing and learning and hopefully modeling those um, positive interactions and growth for our children. I have a tendency to use that brain pathway in my head of like, I just use it all the time. It's a strong like neuronal network or, you know, brain network, um, where it's similar to like a well-traveled highway. But if I try to maybe take a back road and practice that, let's say like maybe being grateful in the moment or showing mindfulness or compassion or self-compassion, then I'm literally able to, you know, work on exercising a different path in my brain and creating essentially, I guess, like neuroplasticity and that growth mindset. And if I could have someone like you as an occupational therapist that can be my advocate for that and help say, okay, how do I navigate this journey? Because the first step of change or or whatever you want to do is self-awareness. So I think having that self-awareness and then what do I do next with it? Yes. And I think that's good to bring up neuroplasticity and neural yeah. pathways because even though we're adults and, you know, the peak we've kind of missed the peak, we still have the ability to create those neural patterns and neural behaviors to change some of the ways that we approach things, right? And it's interesting because I think you kind of have gone into more of the science and biology of that. But in the simplest of terms, sometimes our brain would rather choose a familiar hard than a new easy, right? And so that's kind of where my role comes in is that you might be hitting a wall because you're trying to do the same thing over and over again. And in motherhood, emotions are so high that sometimes you don't even know that there's other options there, you know? And so I'm hopefully introducing not necessarily a, an easy route, but something new and different that allows moms to think a different way. And we hopefully will have a better outcome and just starting the process and having the moms, you know, I'm only seeing moms one hour a week, maybe two times a week if needed, but it's really relying on them to take the work that I've given them mm. and apply it to their day to day to, you know, make these new changes and make it into a habit, make it into part of their routine. So now the unfamiliar new is now a familiar habit. I think, too, that mindset has a big role when you're doing inner child healing with your children because oftentimes, oh, I'm blanking on the book, but it's a Daniel Siegel book. 
I think it's called like Parenting Your Inner Child. I often recommend that book um, to a lot of my moms struggling in motherhood or even some of my pregnant clients too, because it definitely gives you a lot of insight into how you parent and you realize that these patterns of reactions or even like your physical, like the way that your body holds certain feelings are often related back to how things happened in childhood. And they're not necessarily your child or you as a mom. It's that your brain or your body has kind of held on to those patterns. Thinking about my inner child self inside me has been such a paradigm shift when I first heard of that term. Because There is so much to be said about how adults, we live our lives sometimes with that inner child in there, either like trying to speak or or maybe being silenced in the past. And how do we care for that inner child, but also care for our own children? And how do we kind of let the both of them play together and meet them in the moment and be mindful with them with um, like thinking of play, I guess play essentially is where I feel like we can release that inner child sometimes. Yes. And I think it's definitely a hard balance. Um, And I mean, I, I'm still working, navigating through that space right now, but like you said, play and play is actually an occupation. Um, Ironically Mm. enough in terms of occupational therapy, that's, in pediatrics, like a child's job is to play. And there's a lot of therapy that can happen during play. And for me in my inner child journey, sometimes seeing my kids be so adventurous and strong-willed, it can be scary sometimes. And, you know, being on the receiving end of a very strong-willed child can be hard, but there's also inner child me that is so proud of them to be adventurous and willing to speak up for what they feel and what they think is right and setting a boundary and having people respect it and not think twice about, well, I said, no, why would you push against my no? Or I don't have to do that for you to accept me. I'm just going to do this. And it's beautiful Mm. to see those moments in my inner child is so proud of my, of my kids. It reminds me of a book. I don't know how to pronounce the name, but to Zaki or something like that. The author talks about, how children live in the present and adults usually live like in the future or the past. And like, we're always, you know, thinking about, oh, what did, what happened in my childhood and how am I going to do this different? Or what if this, or what if this, and children are just really focused on the present. And, you know, sometimes we do need to do things and think about, you know, what are we doing next and all of that. But I think, or at least for me, what I try to work on, and it's one of my current goals, is to maybe set aside, like, I have three kids. So, like, 10 minutes at least, like, per day, like, with each kid and be in the present with them and, you know, like, play with them with what they're playing. Like, if it's a dollhouse or if it's, you know, a dinosaur or whatever that is and just kind of meet them in the moment. Yes, I definitely would say I also have three kids. I try to read each one one book at least every day. Um, to kind of make it like our alone time as well, obviously the developmental piece of it or play one game with them. And it's those like small present moments that really lets our kids, you know, we develop that bond with them and they feel safe and secure. And that's really what children need is that secure um, foundational relationship. 
how do you feel like we can increase our sense of community and socialization? I feel like sometimes that's just so hard to do, especially for a new mom. Oh, yes. I mean, I don't think people talk enough about how motherhood can be isolating, not just from a fear perspective, but just, you know, to be honest with moms. Um, I know I experienced feeling isolated and lonely in my motherhood journey, especially, you know, being the first one of my friends, being the first one of my siblings. Um, And it's something that I work on with my clients as well. And if you don't necessarily have a village, how can you make one? You know, like we live in this day where social media is kind of at our fingertips. Are you part of, I often ask my moms, are you part of Facebook groups or have you checked out your local library? Are there, are there story times that you can sign up for? Or if you're nursing, I know um, the local hospital that I delivered at actually had like an in-person nursing support group. And I met my, like the first friends of my oldest son and our oldest are almost six and we're still friends to this day. Um, and also, like, again, reaching out to the community. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Fit for Mom community. Um, I have joined that since my first, and that has done wonders for me. I think, you know, giving moms the space to exercise, you know, while your child is in the stroller, but also having options for play dates is really great. And having, like, mom's night outs, like, that organization has really built a village and community. And there's definitely different chapters and different locations nationally, I believe. And there also are, you know, are other similar groups. And I think a piece of the isolation of motherhood, like we mentioned earlier, was the barrier of making it out the house, right? It's scary when you're a new mom, like, oh my goodness, I have to put the baby in the car seat. What if the baby gets hungry? Do I need all the diapers? I need all the snacks. Like there's so many things that moms have to kind of mentally prepare to even make it out of the house. But man, once you make it out of the house, when you are out and you do it and you feel successful, it feels so good. I remember all of that. And now that I feel like I mean, um, my youngest is three now, so we aren't doing as much of like we don't need to bring like the whole diaper bag, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I now I'm thinking of like kind of just with uh, exercise, like if I want to get out and exercise, like it's like, oh, I have to do this and this and this. And it's not as hard as like trying to get the diaper bag and all that ready. But it makes me think of, but once I'm actually out there, like either outside running or actually doing it, it's like, oh, I'm so glad I did do it. Even though it was really hard at the time to kind of motivate myself to get there. Now, I mean, Grace, you had mentioned earlier that you are a survivor of a postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. Is there anything that you can say as far as like resources or anything out there that if there's a mom struggling with that, that they, where they can go to um, find support? Yeah, definitely. So often my default is PSI, Postpartum Support International. Um, They have a free hotline that you can call. There's an English and Spanish version. I believe you can also text them, Um, but there's like free support groups um, that you can look onto there. They even have resources for dads. That's often like my first line of support that I provide my moms. Um, There's also, I can't think of like NAMI is a good support system too. Um, I think letting moms know that myself, I am not like an I'm not like an emergency 24-hour care, but there are services 
to offer them. If they have questions about it, um, there are those resources. I do offer um, in my intakes with my moms, I do do like a, a mental health screening. Um, and depending on what their score is, we kind of discuss like what the next steps are. If it's severe enough, I definitely recommend going to more a licensed therapist. Um, like I personally went to a therapist specializing in perinatal mental health um, to kind of help me navigate that. And I did not realize um, until it was my second pregnancy that there are like in particular like perinatal mental health licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. I know you had mentioned that earlier too. And I think that's that's so I mean all therapists are, are wonderful, but it's so nice that there's like that that special niche that really gets moms. Yes. And there is too, if you go on the PSI website, they do have, um, they have a directory. So you can search by state and see who has either um, received their certificate. And I believe, um, like I completed the first portion to get their certificate. So I believe we're allowed to put our names on there and the directory. Just so that, you know, everybody has those tangible resources there. And I think that's a big barrier, um, you know, reflecting back on my first year in motherhood with realizing, you know, when I was finally in therapy with my second that I did have um, PPA is that some of these things are just things that moms don't want to say out loud and are scared to tell people because, I mean, I'll I'll admit I was too scared to tell somebody because I was scared that someone was going to take my baby away from Mm. me. And that was the last thing I would want, you know, and so I'm glad I finally, you know, took the steps to get the help that I needed so I could be the most present mom and from my own personal experience, like that feeling of fear, isolation, I never want another mom to feel that way. And that's really such a driving force behind why I opened up my own practice, why I take the time to talk to moms, why I'm taking the time to talk to you and kind of explain and share what my role is in this motherhood journey and how I can help and support moms. And as I met, as you mentioned earlier, you know, my support line is or my tagline is motherhood is hard, but support shouldn't be. Yes, absolutely. And I love that. And I'm so proud of you for getting that help and also, you know, helping others with that. And I'm so proud of all the moms out there because it it is, it takes strength to do these things. I feel like sometimes we view all of this as a weakness to say, oh, I can't handle it. But really, it takes strength and such inner strength to say, you know what, I need help. And how can I get these resources? And that's okay. And that is incredible mm-hmm. that you're able to get to that point and then you know, help others as well. And trying to think of it as if you broke your foot, you would go to the doctor, right? You would go get an x-ray. You would go to physical therapy. You would do those exercises. If you want to train for a marathon, you train for a marathon, right? And not that I would know from personal experience, but you know, there's a breakdown to it. Why can't we apply that same mindset to motherhood? Mm. Why is there that shame aspect or the fact that you ask for help? I feel like moms view that as a representation or quality of the reflection of as a mother. And I don't, that shouldn't be. Mm. 
Um, now, Army Grace, can you tell us um, what are your like favorite self-care tips or does it depend on mom to mom? I definitely think self-care means lots of things and can be different things to every mom, but I think it should be mm-hmm. an essential. Just like we take our daily vitamins, I think we need our daily dose of um, self-care. And sometimes self-care doesn't need to be some lavish, expensive thing. You don't need to have a three-hour spa day, but it, you know, if that's what you want, sure. But as you know, motherhood, those things aren't the most feasible, but it can be the small moments in your day, you know, from enjoying a hot cup of coffee, having a special treat, giving yourself a little like back massage or a neck massage. Maybe you have a quick phone call with a girlfriend um, or maybe you read a car, like a cheesy card, a positive affirmation cards. I think those are all things that can count as self-care and self-care is what you do to feel like yourself again so that you can show up for yourself and for those around you. And I you know, I don't think self-care needs to take a back seat in motherhood. Um, I recently have been trying to do a daily alarm, actually. Starting at 2 p.m. every day, I set my first alarm, and then at 2 or 5, it goes off. So for those five minutes, I'm fully present for myself, and I, you know, it can kind of differ on the day what I choose. Oftentimes, it's reading, you know, a few pages of a book, or maybe I do mindlessly scroll for five minutes and not think about anything else. Or I do put my phone down for five minutes and I sit and I just drink my tea in dead silence. Mm. Oh, I love that you have an mm-hmm. alarm for that, like a self-care yeah. reminder. Got to thank my great. therapist for that one. I can't take the credit for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And- now, Army Grace, I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners um, where we can find you. Yeah, so I am on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram at Motivated OT Mama. You can also find me on my website at www.motivatedotmama.com. Um, I have some more information on there about the services I provide. And then on my Instagram account, you can actually find some daily or maybe weekly tips on motherhood, maybe developmental milestones. And actually, um, if you go on my Instagram and click on my links, I actually do have a free 15-day self-care challenge that I made for moms. Um, So you can kind of just click the link there, put your name um, and your email, and it'll be sent right over to you. I even have um, a free um, um, educating for postpartum for partners, you know, if you want to include dad or partner just a little overview of the postpartum period. I, I don't think we touched upon it, Valerie, but I think partners and dads play a very important role in motherhood as well. And I think it's I like to emphasize their role in my sessions and help include them, you know, in terms of the mental load, but also them taking an active part participation role in, um, you know, parenthood. I think dads aren't always given the opportunity to, and I think dads nowadays are wanting to take more of an active role in um, childhood and in supporting their partners and motherhood. You are showing moms like this light, like you're empowering other moms, being their advocate. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And it, it really comes from a place of like true intention and just it's really the reality is that I am providing the support and nurturing that I wish I had in motherhood. That, that at the end of the day, that's really, that's really my motivation mm. because I don't think moms should feel alone in this. They don't deserve to, they deserve all the support they need. Yes. Yes. Moms are incredible. 
Well, Army Grace, as we wrap up here, is there anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners? The biggest thing is that I truly do want moms to know that, yes, motherhood is hard, but getting support shouldn't be. Um, Start looking at different resources in your community. I I offer free um, 15-minute phone consultations if you want to learn a little bit more of how I can help you or kind of share what your current concerns are. And if I'm not the right fit for you, I'll be honest. Um, and I can refer you elsewhere. Um, and if we are a right fit, then we can look into scheduling some appointments. Well, Army Grace, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate everything that you do for us moms. And I hope all of our listeners have a wonderful day. And if you um, can check out all of Army Grace's resources on the show notes. And if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and share and follow. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. This truly was such a pleasure to meet with you and talk with you today.